Hello, and welcome to the table. <laughs> I can't wow. keep it straight, I'm sorry. Wow. Just I was going to try to play that so straight, it just didn't Like, work. absolutely no give a shit at all. He's like, hi. <laughs> like, uh, like this I, Ben Stein impression, like, I, I was trying so hard, I just couldn't do it. Because that's what I thought of was Ben Stein. When Ben Stein's money. Like, that, that stuffy... Yeah, I couldn't do it. Just absolutely no give a shit whatsoever. What's up, everybody? Welcome to this week's episode of The Table. It may be short, but it's still there. It's a gentle... I'm <clears> trying <throat> anyway, to end table. rolled like a four in stealth. <laughs> wow. I rolled a 20 in being able to eat everything. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, <clears throat> uh, obviously by our jokes, uh, we will be going into a D&D &D, uh, related topic. We don't we talk about it a lot, but we don't talk about it too much. Well, we Aaron? try not to beat too many things into the ground. Yeah, well, specifically in this episode, um, I'd seen a post on Reddit that was uh, it's one of the Reddits about like DM stories, basically, mm -hmm. and think how things come up, and it was. The DM disallowed this person from checking to see the range limit on his bow in the middle of a battle. And he called the the DM called it metagaming. Said no, you and and then it was like, well, but the thing is, is that as an expert bow user, the yeah, character you should, itself you should, should know, know that. that. Yeah. You well, I mean. That. Okay, as a primary DM, I agree but disagree at the same time. I will say no. I wouldn't give you the option to just, hey, this is your limit, but I would have you roll and get close to that limit to see if you could guesstimate within a certain footage of that. Sure. Well, me and but that's the thing is like if you you're role playing a character who is an expert, you are not an expert, so you don't know these things offhand, but it's Fair to assume that your character would things yeah. integral to your thing. Now that, that's fair. Again, no, that also it, it's, that oh, also depends on character build too. I uh, will give it that. Yeah, because I mean, if you are yeah. a ranger and you are strict archer and so on, and you've specced into it, sure. But if yeah, you're I just... would expect you to know, like, but if you're a fighter and yeah. your primary is a melee and you pick, you have like a secondary bow, uh, you wouldn't necessarily be as accurate. Um, what gets more interesting off the ground on a battlefield or whatever. Sorry. Yeah. 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 What gets more interesting is that then, because I mean, it it follows further than that. Like, as a expert archer, would you know how far six hundred feet was at a glance? Would you uh, be like, yeah. oh, that person is six hundred and ten feet, and I'll have a disadvantage if I try and shoot him. That person's five hundred and ninety, and I'll be able to hit them. Could you eyeball it? Yes. I think that all right. I'll give you. I'll give you this. Here's here's my solution to to this particular problem: the ability to eyeball distance as a bowman. Right, I would make it a function of your level. Within your first, let's say, first five levels, you've got no chance of being able to just eyeball it because you simply haven't done enough shooting yet. From five to ten. Beyond a certain range, I would make you roll for it to be able to guesstimate. And then from, you know, from 10 on, you should just know. 
Because yeah. at that point, you've done enough shooting, you would be able to accurately. And there's something there. But I mean, like, even a level two adventurer is already proficient in these things. Right? When you compare it to, like, everybody's level one. And then so, just be level two is something okay. significant. Uh, I'll, I'll, throw, I'll throw a version out there to, to help on Aaron's end. I think I get kind of where he's going with it. So, mm. John, you're the DM. I'm okay. taking a shot. I'm a halfling. I'm a rogue. But I'm running uh, light crossbow. So I can okay. keep range, but still be able to get the backstab. Okay. But you know me. I'm going to spec hard into my dexterity because I'm a rogue. Mm. Now, anything that is size large or bigger i'm getting a plus to hit anyways yeah because you so, have size advantage dex auto you know i'm gonna throw anything i can so we'll just call it four auto size dex uh what call it a just say it's two you're gonna call mm. a level two so at least one plus two to attack damage you're look. you're looking at a plus six to hit first off you yep. know just just off right, so your your chances of hitting are going to be a lot higher. But it's so, also like what Aaron's talking about is range. So are we talking I, about? I get that, but that you also have the ability to pick up proficiencies, what are going to also add to that. Does that hmm. increase the ability to know your distance? Because so suddenly maybe, I'm extremely maybe, good here. Yeah, maybe okay, well, your prof- ability for maybe your ability to recognize the range of a of a target is also a function of your ability to to hit a target so like all yeah. of the bonuses that you have for your to hit they if you hit a certain level then it's just, you just you you know ranges in uh in mike's case i'm gonna have to agree with you on some points and disagree with you on others proficiency bonus to guesstimate distance i'll give you for the most part but i'm not giving you everything because his inherent size bonuses for being a halfling shouldn't factor into his ability to guess distance. That's why I'm putting it out there. Like, that's, what, well, that's what I'm saying. There's, there's proficiency, because you're proficient with, with bow use. So I'll give you being able to add your proficiency bonus to a roll, say, to guesstimate distance. If I were going to make you roll for it. I would give what you, you just, that proficiency bonus. If you're just proficient... Is I mean, because there's no, there, you're either not proficient or you're proficient. And if you're proficient, I think that's enough to just say, you know these things. There isn't anything beyond that. He's correct. Once you're proficient yeah, with mean, weapon, you've got nothing rule, else to go at. Mastery? Rules is written, yeah. I mean, yeah, I think, I mean, fair. like, I guess it'd be fair to say, uh, go and check to see what does proficient mean in the, in the D&D Contact. universe. And, I'm just um, I'm just throwing it out there from the uh, from the perspective of the, the the numbers hypothetical that you threw at me. Yeah, you know, because um, if you're talking about a, a player who is routinely utilizing game knowledge that they their their character doesn't necessarily have, that's metagaming. But if yeah. you're talking about knowledge that the character should have reasonably, like it's funny that you brought this topic up today and that we're talking about it because earlier today. Uh, when I was getting ready for work, I do my I do my YouTube thing. I scroll YouTube shorts while I'm you know brushing my teeth and whatnot. 
and there was a, a D&D short about how to play a character that is smarter than you are in real life. Like playing a wizard with a really high intelligence score when, say, you're dumber than a brick. Um, and the one solution that they offered that I, I, I kind of agree with was um, just routinely asking your DM for intelligence checks. Like, I'd like to roll an intelligence check to, to make sure that, you know, this, that, and the other. Because if you're running an 18 intelligence character, chances are you're going to hit most of those checks. Unless you roll really shittily. And then, you know, your, your DM can play into whatever, you know, whatever happens, you can just say, oh, I planned for that contingency. And if your DM is decent, they're going to go, yes, because you were so smart, you would have planned for that contingency. Even though you more than likely didn't and you had no idea what was going to happen. I mean, call so, it yeah, I can see that. Yeah, basically, because obviously you're you you rely more on the checks to get you through these encounters than mm. just actually knowing what to do for them. That you cannot know, but your character could. Things that you couldn't possibly know, but your character might know them. Yes, which brings me to the smart. Oh, yeah, brings me to the other element, and that was monster stat blocks. Mm. Yeah, this was what you were talking about earlier. I'll I'll admit I have to play stupid. I have to because I know a lot of these stat blocks. I'm just like, nope. I'm oh, you mean as fire. far as like, <laughs> you mean as far as like knowing them offhand? Yeah, like yeah. I just I just look at them like, oh shit, that's yeah. a troll. I'm gonna if try player, to chop it to pieces. <laughs> if a player and, automatically just knows the stat blocks, like Mike's saying, where he's read all of them and he knows them all offhand. Using that knowledge without, like, say, rolling for it first. Like, say, uh, um, if you're if you're a, a, a ranger, right, and you roll a knowledge nature check on a monster to determine what it is, depending on your proficiency, you might have the whole stat block. Would you? you? Know? I mean, I guess I. How much would? How much does proficiency? Like, what level of like? information do you get because so you just do like a general uh, nature check right mm -hmm. I mean, how much is that really going to get you out of, out of on a specific monster well that's up to that's up to a couple of things it's up to what your dm determines it's up to what you roll you know if you roll really well it might get you a lot more than if you just roll and like barely you know break the 10 yeah you so I mean? realistically if you were to roll and i don't give a shit if you rolled good or not Say you were coming up against a troll and you're like, oh, I'm rolling knowledge. You, I don't give a shit. If you hit a 20, yeah, it's a troll. I'm going to tell you what kind it is. It's size. Maybe a weakness. That's about it. You're not going to know stats. You're not going to know its hit points. I mean... Well, now, you shouldn't necessarily have all the numbers in front yeah. of you, but I mean... There are there are certain things that you you know, you could know from having dealt with them in the past or maybe you've yeah. done an autopsy on them or something like that, you might yeah. have an idea of what their resistances could be. I mean, there that are spells. On, um, yeah. It all depends on like how you role play that particular character. Cause there's a lot of gray area in that. Yeah. So, I mean, if I was playing a ranger that had the, isn't there's a favored enemy. I love yep. how we keep going yeah. back to rangers, by the way. Well, yeah, because they're, they're kind of versatile because yeah. they have magic and they're also melee combat, so they kind of go pretty good generally. So oh, the ranger has a favorite enemy. Monsters, so yeah, 
And I would, I would, I would argue that if if it's their favorite enemy, enemy, I wouldn't even they they don't need to roll to know. No. Yeah. Uh, I, and I, I would give them a lot more information oh, yeah. in that aspect. I mean, like Goblin Slayer at that point. This motherfucker yeah. knows goblins. Yeah. You he doesn't have to question this bitch. That's his favorite yeah. enemy. Come on now. Yeah. <laughs> and so uh, I mean, there, that means that there's instances where it you didn't have to do any rolls, but because lore-wise you know about that enemy, you you can see this. <laughs> I, I still wouldn't let them see the hit points because that's not really... I'll put it to you like this. I, I will put it this way. If you're, if you're not, you know, familiar with the enemy, like if you're not a ranger whose favorite enemy is like, say, dragon or whatever, I'm going to have you roll to have anything beyond basic knowledge of what a monster is to be able to guess at what their weaknesses might be or whatever. If you're dealing with a ranger that they're fa- it's their favorite enemy, I'm going to give you more information to start with and then I'm going to give you the option to roll to give you the rest of it. Put it that way. I mean, really? That's what, I mean, I, that's what I would do. I'm not sure. I mean, like, there's a certain level of ability that, like, if, with favored enemy in particular, that's saying, like, that's all you hunt. How would you, how would you mess up information on something that you hunt every day? Yeah. The question then becomes how much information is too much information. And I think the the issue we're having here is that we all have a different line as to how much is too much. Well, here here's here I will put this out there. So say we're gonna stick to Ranger because it's favorite enemy. So favorite yeah. enemy, say you're gonna go with uh Dragon. At that point, it's not dragon, you then have to subclass the dragon. Because then you're just like, yeah. oh, that's a dragon. It's a gold dragon. It's from the east. Its weaknesses. No, you know, you're not going to know every goddamn dragon. I'm sorry. That's There's yeah. You're going to yeah, be well, a that's re- a big... you're, because you're in a specific region. You'll know of the dragons in this region. You're not going to know about these ones over here. That guy there, you know, dragons in your original region, right? Because yeah. the, the rangers going out, then yeah, that's yeah. That once you hit the, yeah, you're leaving the woods and you're going in the fucking, I don't know, snow biome, whatever the fuck you want to go tundra. You're not going to know about a fucking silver dragon or an ice dragon. You're you're just out of your yeah. depth. And that yep. all depends on that's a um, dragon. It might be a snowy dragon. It could be an ice. You know what? I don't know. It's a dragon though. Is it shiny or not? But <laughs> I, I still argue that there is a way that you could get role play wise a reason that they would that he would know that. What if this was a ranger who was basically a dragon bounty hunter? Well, at that well, point, yeah. he would have more knowledge on more of the infamous ones. And if he is tracking down specific dragons, yeah. he's going to those areas, learning more about them as he's progressing. I don't blame him for that point. That character is going to have knowledge on their bounties. They might have intimate knowledge on one or two of the really high-ranking bounties that they've been gunning for for a while, but they're not, and they'll, and they'll have a certain degree of general knowledge on the creatures as a whole. Like we're talking about dragon bounty hunters, that that bounty hunter is going to have a certain amount of general knowledge from dealing with these dragons on a regular basis. But as far as will they have intimate knowledge of every dragon they come into contact with? No. They may have intimate knowledge of some of the dragons they come into contact with because they're bounties, and they've been researching them to find out more about their potential targets. So they would have a broader depth, a, a, a broader 
amount of general knowledge, but they um, wouldn't have intimate specific knowledge. Target. Yeah. So what if that dragon bounty? So as part of the role playing for that dragon bounty hunter, um, what if like on long rests in town, part of their their rests, well, not necessarily long, but on on trips into town, part of that is research into the local dragons. Okay. And then, yeah, they specifically uh, yeah. because they want to keep because they're yeah that that would just be great. Yeah, I'd give that to yeah. him offhand anytime. That's a knowledge, you, that's yeah. a knowledge roll. Yeah, that's just that's something he's going to do. Hey, well, are there I other mean, dragons? There's a, is there a knowledge roll to that? For me, there's a knowledge roll because that's an hour. That's an hour's research. That's a knowledge roll to determine what you find in that research, and you have to have access to some kind of resources. Yeah, I mean, True. I, I, bar, yeah. pub, library, yeah, you know, you scholar, need the, chapel, you need whatever. The resources, but I, where's the knowledge roll come in? Is it, is it like if I fail the knowledge roll, I didn't the find any roll, information? Yeah, the knowledge roll comes into how much do you find? How good are your I sources? Mean, what kind I mean, of information do you have access to? Whether it's actual legitimate information or whether you're getting just baseless rumor. Or is it yeah. like some drunk guy in a pub saying a bunch of shit that he doesn't know is true or not? Well, I would assume that the that as or some your, guy who doesn't like your sole profession you or sole sole thing is to know about dragons. You probably have some kind of oh, he'll get resources a, in that. I don't doubt that, but mm. gathering your knowledge isn't going to be part of that resource. No, he might have an I inkling mean. that mm, I don't know. Your story on this ice dragon is a little fishy. I don't remember an ice dragon being able to hide inside of a volcano. This sounds squirrely. You know. Okay, see, okay. here's where Aaron's going to get annoyed with me. Uh -oh. I, have, I have two words to solve this situation for you, Aaron. Oh, shit. Insight check. Oh. It's Insight another role. Everything. <laughs> it's another role. Like, what, what I'm saying is, is that it's up to the dice the amount of information that any player has access to at any point in time. If you have a problem with that, if you don't want to leave it up to chance like that, that's fine. You don't have to. But in this hypothetical, Mike said it, I'm the DM. As the DM, I'm letting the dice decide. See, I prefer, so long as, so long as there was enough story relevance or story elements that corroborate their chain of events mm. i'm i'm willing to bypass a role that's depending fine. on what, what goes there right like so they I say agree to that you know if they if they're if their story is that they're a dragon bounty hunter and they go into towns and they they do their research on these things i'm not gonna give them role unless i'm like trying to make a particular story element related to that i'm not mm. gonna try and say well you got false information because you rolled bad or something like that you're this is his entire life. <laughs> You're willing to bypass a role, and that's fine. I'm not saying you shouldn't do that, okay? What I'm saying is the difference between you and I is that you're willing to bypass a role. I'm willing to let prior knowledge affect the DC of that role. So if you know enough, when you do that knowledge role, the DC that you have to hit in order to get the most information you could get is going to be significantly lower. I'm still going to expect you to beat at least a 10 because the 10 is going to be the base for everything. If you can't beat a 10, you which, have no business rolling. Yeah. 
Well, but the thing is, is like, so what happens when you get a one and you automatic fail? It happens. It happens sometimes. I just, I mean, like, I can see that in things that you're not like. If you're that specialized, then I don't see how you could be in a situation where an automatic fail would exist for something. Okay, I, I, me, can. Me, I can. I can. I can throw you life. a couple. Of, I can throw you a couple of scenarios where it could happen, and it would depend on where you are to get this information. Because I'll, I'm not gonna lie. If you're in a bar and you're talking to some rando, and he's giving you this information. I'm going to take into effect how much, you know, if this guy's drunk, if he really knows what the fuck he's talking about, or if he's just trying to talk you up to see if he can get to your gold. I mean, there's going to be a bunch of factors that are going to play into this. Granted, mm. uh, if you succeed, sure, he tells you all the right information. But if you fail it, I want to give you enough story element to where it's going to make sense instead of just you failed because you just don't know. No, you, you failed because yeah, no. this guy's a drunk and he's trying to talk you out of your money. That's why he's he wants to tell you what you want to hear, so you pay him for this information. I'll make sense of your fail, but that yeah, that I fail mean, element isn't a, your character's fault at that point. It's because you talk to this guy. It's then not entirely on you. A good then DM he, uh, will make a fail make sense. A great DM will make it so good you're not even sure it's a fail. But let me let me throw out a real life hypothetical here for you, Aaron, to kind of justify my my frame of reference. John got okay, a girlfriend. Because <laughs> you're saying that um, you're saying that if you're proficient in a thing, that there's no way that you should be able to fail that badly. At. Depending on th certain things, right? Um, I mean, I guess like knowledge checks and stuff like that are different there. Obviously. Okay. Physical acrobatic stuff, yes, you can still fail that, even if you're proficient and you, yeah, there's always a chance there. But I mean, knowledge stuff just doesn't really feel the same way, I guess, in that. Okay, here's my hypothetical then, Aaron. All right. All right. You're a programmer. That's your job. Uh -huh. safe, to say, safe to say you're proficient in programming. Uh -huh. Are you going to tell me, you're going to tell me with a straight face that there's never been a point where you've been working on something and had a total brain fart and forgot something you obviously should know to do? No, I have. But the thing See? is, is that... No, 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 no. <laughs> the thing is, is that I... That wasn't the end, right? I fixed the mistake and kept going. Critical failures, that's it. You're done. You lost. Congratulations. You're, you're fucked. <laughs> well, no. That's that's not necessarily true. If uh, honestly, if you have a shitty DM and that's the way he's gonna play it, yeah, yeah. sure. Yeah, that comes down. Shitty to the DMs DM will just be like, "Hey, you failed too bad. So sad. Go find something else to do." You can't but roll a good again. DM, yeah. a good DM's just gonna be like, "Okay, so this guy kind of gave you some shitty information. You're not too sure if it's real. Yeah. Are you gonna continue looking for more information? You still got another hour before you guys gotta leave. What do you want to do? Yeah, you've got another hour he's to gonna you give can, you the you, you know can try the another role to yeah. continue looking for this information." It's not just going to be this one singular source of information. I mean, I can get, I can get um, Mike's scenario really because I mean that's not a failure on your proficiency. It's just it's more the failure was you couldn't find anybody who had any relevant inf information. Exactly. It doesn't necessarily mm. mean. Granted, yes, you you did fail the role, but if. Good the, DM the role, it, yeah. it's, it's not on you, was, it's on your scenario. Yeah, the role was just that 
you didn't find anything, really. Yeah, yes. that's that's exactly what I'm saying. The only difference is, is that I, I used it more generally, and Mike was more specific and involved somebody else. Like, that was the only difference. All I said was, like, if you roll low enough, it just means that you didn't find, you know, really good information. That could mean that you went to a library that doesn't have the books you need. It could mean that you asked around, the town criers gave you bad info. It could mean you were looking for somebody that, you know, to give you info that maybe was killed the week before by the guy you're looking for. It could mean any number of things. But that's, that's essentially what I'm saying. A bad role on a knowledge check like that is not necessarily the fault of the character. It, it could be any number of factors outside of that character's control. If you succeed in this role, what do you give them? So now you have this bounty hunter, dragon bounty hunter, who knows about okay. the local dragons. Mm. Okay. Are they we'll still see. rolling to... I mean, okay, to so... Confirm that, to confirm, like, they meet a dragon. Do they get the stat block, or do they get... How much? No, is I'm, that look. No matter. I don't look. I don't care how good you roll. I don't care how many fucking pluses you got. I'm not giving you the stat block. You're well, not going to know how much hit points thing. and armor. Yeah, but you know, the, are you going to know what type? Are you going to know its weaknesses, its strengths? Are you going to know look, its abilities? I, I'm probably going to give you its strengths. I'll probably give you a fair few of its weaknesses because you've, no. you know, this is your target. This is the exact one you're looking for. You've researched now that you it found it. You you've done so much research. Sure, I'll give you a bunch of that information, but mm. I'm not going to give you it all because then it kind of cuts away a lot of the experience there. And no, okay, Mike. abilities. I might give you a few. Like, oh yeah, we've you know we've seen him use you know this and he, he you did this to this guy. Sure, I'll give you a couple of his spells, maybe an ability or two. But mm. depending on the age of the dragon, that could be fucking piddly. You, I mean. And realistically, time, go ahead. Realistically, I don't think you should ever give the player like the entire stat block. That's I wouldn't like, think so. I mean, this cause... is the exact number of hit points the dragon has, and this is all of its spells and abilities. But if I'm, if I may, the amount of information that I give the player on, say, your dragon bounty hunter's research check is going to be contingent on the degree of success of the roll. Right? So I'm going to give them more information for a 16 or a 17 than I would, say, a 12. Which would still be technically a success, but it's not as much of a success. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. So you learn things, and the things that you learn are relevant, but you're going to learn more if you succeed higher. Which I don't know. Also I just, plays I mean, in, it also plays into your levels and abilities. Because let's face exactly. it, the, the more shit you have stacked onto that, you know, that the to higher throw onto that DC, the, the higher your role is going to naturally end up being yeah. anyways. So. Yeah. There's, uh, at, some, at one point, there's a, a thieves ability where you basically are no longer allowed to fail. Yeah. Like you can't, you can't take anything less than a 10 on any skill roll for base. So... You really can't fail. There's a uh, it's a skill check in uh, the rogue tree. It's called reliable talent. Yeah. You play as a thief. Um, well, I mean, that just, just DC ten, which is still 
it's low, right? I mean, there's a yeah, but that what that means is that your base roll cannot be lower than ten. So even oh. if you rolled a one, it still counts as a ten, and yeah. then you add your to it. So I mean, yeah, I'd still in that case. So so obviously they're really good at succeeding at stuff, but they they still can't do everything because no, because that, that leads DCs that are high. That that you can now, granted, you can take that skill multiple times, and it'll focus on specific talents each time. So yeah. you'd be able to reliably pickpocket, or what is it? Is it thieves? Thieves skills this time around? I can't. Did they convince it all? I can't remember. Um, it's thieves tools is like lock picking and all that. Yeah. So it just all rolls into one. Pickpocketing just, sleight of hand, so yeah. you could like reliable talent sleight of hand, reliable talent thieves tools, you know, all that stuff. Or you could. Look, reliable talent disguise kit. Although I don't know why you'd ever want to do that. Or forgery. It'd be, be fucking hilarious, though, just to be able to just reliably hide yourself as disguised as other people. Just dress the whole fucking, just the whole party up as Pabliachi the sad clown, and just walk around. <laughs> I'm stupid. I'm dumb. I was actually thinking about that um, the other day. I was thinking to no one in particular about D and D items that. I'm sure someone's already done this, but I want to do the Assassin's Creed Hidden Blade as a D&D item that allows non-rogues to sneak attack, and if you are a rogue, it gives you the assassinate ability. Wow, what's assassinate? Is it just like a souped-up backstab? Um, that's one way of putting it. Basically, I think it's... <laughs> isn't it the same rules as a coup de grace? You have study to study yeah, for a round have, and then kill. You have to study your target for I think it's a couple of rounds. You have to study them unaware for uh, two or three rounds, and then any attack that does over a certain amount of damage is instantly fatal. Wow. That that took a drastic turn. Because I remember it was only you, you studied them for one solid unaffected round. And then making sure you actually hit your attack, you would essentially kill them. Regardless yeah, of the amount of damage you did, what it boiled down to, yeah, yeah, I don't well, know. at least I'm I was fan of that. Because I mean, if you can do it, so can the bad guys. And nobody likes insta death. <laughs> this guy's getting it. Nobody likes insta death except for that asshole DM who's out to kill their party. It's just Sorry. like it's just like the extended uh, damage rolls. Nobody likes them. Nobody wants to be like maimed in the first round or first well, thing of combat. Nobody, okay. nobody likes those, and the DMs don't like them unless they're fucking mathematicians and they just like doing a lot of calculation. Um, I'll, I'll admit, I'll, and I will admit this. I've I've come into a group, uh, and, and Tony was part of this group at one point. Mm. All these guys. Kept talking about how good they are. I had everybody make two characters apiece. The group was five people deep. I had everybody start. I'm like, everybody start with your whatever character you want. And everybody made these badass characters for their first time. We're going to be all this. Their secondary characters were just basically bullshit throwaway characters because they thought they were just going to be backup characters. I killed off the first party. They all ran the second ones. <laughs> I was like, so you guys don't want to not be such assholes next time and just run well, in thinking you're all the shit. Some some D&D experiences are about <laughs> throwing the players up against progressively more difficult monsters. Oh, no, no. 
I purposely threw them against the boss off rip, knowing they were going to die. <laughs> and the funny thing is, I gave them every hint that this was the boss, and they still attacked him. Like, his aura makes you feel really nauseous. They're just like, killing him. I'm like, yo. Some of us think that's a dick move. The rest of us see what you did and kind of laugh. But you, the my issue with these guys is they were way too fucking cocky, and and unfortunately these guys were also metagaming the fuck out of the earlier games. Which is the whole issue of our of our topic of conversation. So why don't you give us a few examples of the metagaming that we're talking about here, Mike? Okay, so uh, one of them, which pissed me off the most, everybody was in the bar, uh, except for one of their one. I think they're rogue. Had to be sitting outside on his pipe because he can't be bothered with everybody else. Oh yeah, Mister uh, Too Cool, take your your ale and the, smoke outside in a chair in in the, the stereotypical edgy rogue. Yep, he's literally. <laughs> oh, I'm just sit in the corner in a chair and smoke my pipe and like, hey, get the fuck, whatever. Everybody else is inside. He sees a guy come up, walk over to one of their horses, flip open the pack, close the pack, walk away, go into the bar walks upstairs he has no idea what's happened one of the guys comes walking from inside no words are conversed walks over to the horse pack takes the saddlebags off throws them into the middle of the road walks right back into the bar i'm like why'd you do that He's like, well i don't know what he just put in there i'm like you're you're not gonna look that's probably a trap i'm like okay how do you even know this you, nobody said anything you're in the bar i saw him through the wall like what the fuck <laughs> So I was like, okay. So I let them play it. <laughs> oh, some of them. Uh, they they eventually found they found this guy. It turns out he dropped a message in there that he wanted to talk to them. He's been chasing them for two towns, trying to catch up to them. <laughs> he, he gives them back the saddlebag and, and literally reaches in and pulls out the note. He's like, yeah, the mayor wanted to talk to you. He heard you guys were strong. <laughs> he had to go back two towns to figure out what the hell was going on. I made yeah. them feel like assholes every time they did that. Made them feel like assholes. That's why I can like, see it. We, we heard uh, we were trying to get a hold of uh, get a hold of you for your extended horse warranty. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, if that was a thing, dude. Oh my god, that would have been great. Plus, <laughs> well, like, um, it, roll it open. God damn it! Another spam roll. That's like you know you're talking about. Oh, I saw him do it. I'm like out of out of. Looked at him. Like, okay, hand me your character sheet because I want to see where it says X-ray vision. <laughs> Something. And that was just one of like at one point we were we were in a dungeon. Out of all of the beings in the room, one of them was actually a troll, but I had him disguised as a bugbear. That way he would be a little larger, and with all the furs on him, he looked like a bugbear. Well, it turns out uh -huh. he'd actually killed a few bugbears and just used their skins. He was trying to hide himself. Yeah, no. These guys immediately just started lighting him on fire. I'm like, how the, what? Because I described him a little bit, and they're like, oh, that's a troll. They just start immediately lighting him on fire. I'm like, what the fuck are you guys doing? You're, how are you going to kill a bugbear with fire? So I turned it around on him. I made him a bugbear right there on the spot. Yeah. So now well, you I mean, just did pissed you, off this oh, bugbear. Did your description? I mean, if your description gave it enough that they thought it was a troll, no, 
I, I made it to where it could have been either or. I didn't leave it enough to be like, hey, that's definitively a troll. They're the same height. The troll is slouched over. He's got the fur of a bugbear on. You can't see its face. All you can see is basically the, the form. You can't tell. It looks it basically it looks like it's been a really beat up bugbear. I can't see the, like the, the binding holding anything on it. You're yeah. in a dark cavern. Like these guys were just being outright assholes. I mean, well, I guess it depends. I mean, because you had, why did they think it was a troll? You gave him some kind of indication that it could be a troll. Yeah, right? at some point, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I might have. And I mean, in that case, there's... I mean that that's what they have. That's what they have to go on. If you say it kind of looks like a troll, but it's it's a bugbear, or or like you know, in some in some instance, you you mentioned troll in some place. Well, yeah, and that, they, so that's they've... what they think. Even at, as at characters, one point, that's what they think. When they were coming into the cave, they actually had to fight a group with a troll. But as they went in, we're, we're talking like four or five fights in, <clears> they're halfway through this cavern. You and I'm like, well, it's the same height as the troll, but it is it literally I describe a bugbear, and they immediately just went straight to troll. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. I, don't, I, don't, I mean, I, I can really kind of get it. Metagaming. I don't see that as metagaming. You gave him a description that say that I mean, think of it as like the character itself, right? They they fought trolls in in the cave. Um, mm. Now they come across it, and in the description, it's as tall as a troll, but it looks like a bugbear. Their characters decided to say, well, maybe it's another troll." I mean, that's fine. And yeah, it could be wrong. I mean, that there like because metagaming gaming for me would have been if. Um, if you set them aside and told them that it was a troll, but not in a description, you said this is a troll, and then you gave them the description of what the characters saw, and if they immediately assumed troll, well, it's because they it's they relied on outside of information. Yes, they're utilizing player knowledge, which is the essence of metagaming. Yes, the biggest issue that you'll have with that when it comes to metagaming is players that can't differentiate themselves from their characters. You see this a lot with new D&D players. People that are like, I am my character. It's like, no, you're you. You're a player at a table. And your character is in this situation. There are going to be things that you, as the player, know that your character can't possibly know. Because your character is not looking down on the situation from on high. That's when you're going to look at your DM and go, okay, so is it reasonable to say that my character sees this? You know, if you're, if you're, um, if you've got, if you've got one of those rogues and there's always one in every D and D party, there's always some rogue that's like, I'm going to steal everybody's shit. Tony. Now, you know, they're doing this because they just rolled for it. But a smart player is going to look at the DM and go, Okay, is it reasonable? Can I do a, an insight check to, or uh, a perception check to see if I catch him reaching into so and so's bag? You know, and a reasonable DM is going to go, okay, yeah, roll a perception check. Whereas a meta gamer is going to go, you can't do that. I- I'm going to kick his ass. I'm going to I'm going to roll monk unarmed attack and punch him in the throat. I saw him stealing shit. Not necessarily. Yeah. <laughs> True. 
I mean, I definitely would be like, okay, so the person you're pickpocketing from is going to get a get a get a roll chance. The party's going to get a roll chance. If you're if it's a yeah. new party, I'm going to probably give you uh, the party as a whole a roll because nobody trusts anybody yet. Right. Mm. It becomes a contested role, and it becomes a lot harder to do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for the for the other instance that you had, I find a lot of that is resolved with, like, when we do, if you do the online ones, being able to just directly say to one person and one person only this information mm. helps for, helps for, because some people can't differentiate, and that's fine. So you, you, sometimes you have to work around that and give them tools for that so like you just say directly to the rogue hey this is what you see and that way the other just don't know what they saw and they didn't even get to hear it yeah i I'm mean essentially you have to do that but i mean well i mean that's kind of a benefit of online D is that you have the ability to curate information more closely for individual players i'm i'm sorry let me just step in here i'm gonna have to find it because Back in the day, there was two videos on YouTube that I would sit down every time somebody wanted to learn to play D&D or whatever. I would have them watch these videos because it's basically a bunch of guys sitting around playing D&D and they covered all these topics. Like one guy, they were one guy was metagaming. He's like, no, that's not character. now. just player. Now, like they are getting into arguments over it. Uh, they one guy didn't show up. So the DM was playing his character and he kept forgetting about him. So he's like, uh, uh, he, he's over it. His character just yeah, he's just, he's over there, just standing off of, like off of nowhere. Yeah. And like, what was it? At one point, they show their characters walking across in the woods. Like, um, where's Mark? Oh, he he's at the back, and he just steps from behind a tree, and he's suddenly like, with the groove. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, he's been yeah, there the whole time. Yep, he's there the whole time. Like, uh, um, what is it? They had him fight the boss. The boss fucking killed him immediately. <laughs> he's like, oh, he's pissed. How much of that? How much of that is like the character not, you know, not rolling well, and how much of it is just the DM not wanting to play that person's character? <laughs> I I don't know. Like you know, um, the solution to that that I see routinely uh, in a lot of the the podcasts and stuff that I listen to is having one of the other players kind of Jaeger the character for a while because they've seen you play that character, they know how that character is going to act in a lot of the in a lot of scenarios. So you you give a player that you trust, like if it's me and you playing at a table, Mike, and I have to go because I've got, you know, some shit I got to do with my moms or whatever. And I'm like, I won't be in this week. You play my character for this session. You know me as a person. You know my character as a character. You should be able to reasonably play my character in a way that I will be satisfied with. The long-term goal where you playing my character is simply to not let my character die. Do things that I, as a player would reasonably do more importantly, do not allow my character to die. Yeah. In other words, your character's not giving me all of his gold and all of his high level items and wandering off into the woods to be killed. Yeah. They get that. (laughs) I mean, I'd probably just be like, so John's character is stayed in town or felt sick or stayed in town or I would I would separate you from the 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 adventure the for some, that for a little bit. You would engineer yeah. a reason of why his character isn't there on that. Spot. I wouldn't try to like just. And keep sometimes that works. 
it all depends on where the party's at. Like, if the that's party's true. in a town, and and that's the situation, then that's a perfectly feasible thing. Like, I just stayed at the inn. Maybe I slept in that day, and you guys all took off without me. All right, I'll take that. Yeah. But if we're on a trail or something, and we're breaking camp, it wouldn't make sense for you to just leave me in the middle of the road. <laughs> well, then I'd probably have you get kidnapped. That also happens sometimes, yes. <laughs> yeah. That would be a good one, too. Because then the party Actually, has to spend um, that entire round, that whole session, just getting you back. Yeah. Let's throw a uh, let's throw a, a critical role reference out there. Um, when uh, Travis and Laura were having their kid, uh, they obviously couldn't be there for a couple of sessions. Well, in order to facilitate that in the game, their characters were kidnapped by slavers. That then me- meant that the party had to track the slavers and try to to save them. Of course, in the process of doing that, one of the players died. Uh, it's a really tragic moment in Campaign 2 of Critical Role. But uh, it, it led to some really interesting shit. Yeah. So, yeah, there's plenty. Uh, yeah, it wouldn't just, like, just have the DM control one of the characters and just kind of because yeah the dm's got a lot of crap going on dm's got enough on their plate if you if you've got to have someone else play your character give your character to a player that you trust don't ask the dm to do it yeah as, yeah, yeah, as a DM, DM, yeah he's probably gonna forget that character yeah now they're gonna get kidnapped they're gonna be out of commission in some way and or yeah the something i'm gonna i'm gonna throw this one at you though okay don't ask the DM to pilot your character for you. However, if the DM offers to pilot your character for you, that's on him. <laughs> that is not your fault. No. No, don't trust your DM if he asks. Uh, <laughs> there is something Especially if right Mike's there. your DM, he's going to kill your character. That's the no, whole reason gonna, he agreed to do it. Look, I'm not going to kill your character. For some reason, your character's helping out the bad guys a lot this round. I don't know why he keeps throwing stuff under your feet as you're walking. Like, did he you just come trick back to you? Did he you just come not back help to you climb sessions. up that mountain? Like, what? What the hell, Mike? Why is my character dead? Oh, I forgot to tell you. Your monk just walked off a cliff at the start of last session. <laughs> don't worry. Like, why? In the you middle of the quest fly. to bring him back to life. <laughs> but in that quest, two other people died, so they're rolling up here. It's like, like, like. <laughs> uh, no. Yeah, I think what I think the lesson here, listeners, is that Mike is a shitty DM, and you should never play in one of his games. <laughs> hey, that's offensive. I don't know. I've oh. never DM'd a game. It's too much work for me. I don't think I could do it. Yeah, I mean, you've seen the fucking world map that I drew. Yeah, I took a, a fifty-five inch uh, TV box, cut off both big sides, flipped it laid it out in one inch grid square and I actually made a world map. He did. It's a, it's a big ass map, dude. And then I made a, a poster board for each one of those squares. One inch grid of that. And for literally, I just kept going smaller and smaller. So I could have this immense world that would just be fucking gargantuan. Hey, that's cool. Great. The issue then becomes populating it. Mike, I don't know. I, I've I've got you covered. Mine when they finally saw my my broken collarbone, 
dude, what happened? Fucking, I was arm wrestling fucking Sylvester Stallone, man. He just fucking destroyed me. <laughs> like, he, like, he over the top. Obviously a fucking lie. <laughs> he rockied the shit out of me, dude. What do you mean? For real. Anyway. But no, like I was saying before we had the technical difficulties that we had. I'll give an example of the broad strokes that I'm talking about of why I never get anything done because I go too deep into shit. I was thinking about my campaign setting for D&D yesterday while I was at work because this is when I do a lot of this shit because my mind just kind of wanders. Mm. And for whatever reason, I was thinking of um, like the different regions and different races all being based around different real-life sort of cultures. So like the halflings would be more or less Irish, you know, Gaelic, that kind of thing. Um, the uh, the dwarves are like Scottish with a mixture of like Scotch and uh, like Viking mythology thrown in that kind of stuff. And I was coming up with I was coming up with titles. So like the leader of the dwarves would be like the Stone Lord. It'd be like Stone Lord so and so. So so you came from trying to give a breakdown of all these groups so they'd have some kind of some kind of basis for what to what to start with as far yeah. as, you know. And then as you broke to one group, it caught your attention enough to where you started breaking down uh, titles within that group instead of yeah. continuing with that. Rather than finishing what I started and then going from there. Yeah. I, yes. I like ADD fixated on that one thing and that was where I stayed. <laughs> yeah, that's um, so uh, I'll admit I do that a lot. The way I fixed that was I literally made lists. I just literally wrote it all down to where it's like, okay, sure. I can't move on from this page until I'm done. Yeah, that's it. You have you. I know it's, it's ridiculous to tell yourself you have to stick to it, but once you've broken those down, then you can flip the page and start adding titles to all of the groups. Yeah. Then you can do all the fun stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's what I ended up doing. Anywho. That and I can never seem to think of a uh, an adequate like quest line for a small quest. Like I, I love thinking of big swooping plots and things, but that's not where you start. That's where you end. <laughs> like I I I have great ideas for like big campaigns and shit involving empires going to war and like sky ships and all this kind of stuff, and that's cool. That's great. That's awesome. But it's not where you start. That's no, no. somewhere in the middle to where you end. <laughs> well, yeah. So, I mean, I don't, the small stuff is easy. <laughs> really, I mean, you just think what, like, think about it, like, as a town, right? I mean, what, what does a town need help mm-hmm. with? And those are all small things. Yeah. Hey, you know. My sheep went wild. I'm missing four of them. Would you yeah. be able to, you know, go hunt them down? And from there, you could take that from, yeah, we found two of them. Where's the other two? You go wandering around. Suddenly you found a cave. This cave suddenly leads you into, why the fuck are there bandits out here? And you figure out that they're actually hiding, you know, maybe they're hiding people out there because they're actually not bandits. They're slavers. And that's just their hideout. They just happen to find these sheep. Yeah. Although that starts making, making it bigger and bigger, which is fine. Exactly. Too. It would, it would um, give you a reason can... to snowball into them. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, you, you broke yeah. this up. Well, well, here's all your sheep. Now we got to go report what's over here to somebody bigger because this shit's just not right. And you or, uh, or for instance, of I found three out of four of your sheep. One of them was torn to pieces by a goblin tribe. I now have to go inform the aldermen of the town that there's a goblin tribe about to try to lay siege to the village. Possibly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah stuff like that. Oh, well, now, now they're yeah. going to want you to check out the goblin tribe. You know, how big yeah. is that? Can you, can you look like into that? Small, small quest to medium quest. But I mean, there's, there's, a, there's a place for just small quests, too. Like, you yeah. know, just helping around the town. Like, as a... As a as a trip in a town kind of like day thing right so they all Mm -hmm. as part of them splitting up and just doing whatever for resting before they go to do their next big thing maybe they Mm -hmm. all have like a little mini quest stuff yeah yeah i mean maybe the uh the wizard goes and gathers herbs for the local town or something like that because you know what yeah that would make sense hey can you gather us herbs none of us know particular you know only one guy knows what he's looking for and he's sick. He's the one we got to get the herbs for. You're yeah, a wizard. Like maybe, maybe, maybe you know the what they look like. Druid helps with the gardening or whatever. Yeah, there you go. You know, the town Something. Food supply, that kind of thing. Stuff to I'll progress, to... you know, just to give you a little bit of just day-to-day stuff. Because, I mean, Character the... spice, maybe a little right. bit of experience for it, you know. And then, yeah, and then, like you said, maybe one of those, one of those small ones leads to something more medium-ish, a threat to the town, or large. A threat mm-hmm. to the country or state or capital or whatever. Region. Yeah. Bigger city. Region. That's a good word. Yeah. Because Re- then it wouldn't region, necessarily yeah. be state. It'd be in like region, mid size. I mean, you don't want it to get to the point to where you're hitting the big guys. We're, well, we're... It's like, like I said, you know, I tend to think of different scenarios and ways, but the, it always ends up getting way too big a little too fast and i skip all the in-between stuff uh, the big one the really big one is one that's just always ever present in the background yep mm. they're not necessarily progressing towards that one all the time but you they see elements of it in everything else so maybe the reason why the slavers are there is because of the big story um, I, I brought up the slaver one whatever. I threw the slaver one out there because in the campaign, I, I, one of campaigns I did, the idea was the slavers were there capturing people to hold the ransom so they could get, um, you know, funds to help with a takeover that they were trying to do of another town. Mm-hmm. So it, it was kind of running in the background. They would always find people from all these different, you know, cities around just missing. There'd always be some ransom out there for, you know, this person or that person to be found. Mm. So, yeah, you'd see, like, yeah, in the background, you know, as flavor of for people the are, town yeah, you're describing. The, yeah. You see, you know, you, you the, the, the town notice board is is plastered over with missing missing persons' pay, uh, pages yep. and everything. And realistically, the only ones that are ever found are the people that can pay. Then the rest of them are uh, sent off to be used as slave labor to make arms and weapons. 
one of the large plots that I that I like as far as large plots go is always the idea of like the empire at war, right? So like you're you're a citizen of a certain empire, doesn't necessarily need a name for the for instance, but you're a citizen of the empire and you're an adventurer. Well, because you're an adventurer and you're out doing these things, like all the towns you come across are kind of under siege from monsters or what have you. Because the men that would normally be defending the town have been drafted into the army to go fight in this war. And, you know, the further along you go, the more you see of, you know, the the lesser villages being basically wiped out because they have no defense. And then the larger cities, like all the poor one, you know, all the poor people are drafted into the army, but the wealthy have maybe been able to weasel their way out of being enlisted, that sort of thing. so you're saying that two, two, say, two large cities are what are trying to go to war, right? We'll say that, just to keep it a little easier. Uh, city mm. A is trying to fight City C, because they're, you know, whatever. But while City A and City C are, you know, mouthing, fighting, all the surrounding areas are being wiped out by all these monsters that are no longer in check because everybody's being pulled in. Mm. You're saying that's the big picture, right? Yeah. That's not my big yeah. picture. My big picture is behind the scenes, the uh, beholder or the mind flayer or the dragon that's actually pulling the strings behind city C to get all these people to go to one spot. So it could take over a larger territory because it's no longer being defended. Mm-hmm. That is my big plot. Or am I just crazy? Well, you no, you you <laughs> you boil you boiled my idea down to to two cities. I was talking about empires, entire countries well, at war. But I mean, I get that, but it I just boiled it down so it'd be a little easier to manage. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you, you could do the same thing digest. with two empires. Yeah, I guess I mean, my that's world just what has I was a lot saying. more city states than but empires. It's like I, I'm a lot more specifically feudal. <laughs> like I have serfs and fiefdoms. <laughs> well, just no. I mean, just like like there's these large large cities, and they obviously own the land around the cities. But that's it. Like there's mm. not really, it's not really a bunch of small towns um, all connected together and under some kind of government, like a king or something yeah. like that. It's just one city. And then that mayor is basically the king of that city or whatever, and that's basically it. One city, one city is a good uh, place to start. I mean, um, well, I mean, let's let's go with because uh, I've been playing this a lot. Let's talk about Cyberpunk real quick. Um, the Cyberpunk tabletop game primarily takes place in Night City. That's a single city, but it's made up of several districts that are all you know territory of different gangs. And then there's the area outside of the city that's the Badlands. Yeah. It's kind of, kind of very Mad Max, you know, kind of, kind of feel to it, where you know you've got raiders that are running the roads out there and maybe attacking supply convoys coming from the different corporations and all that kind of shit. So I mean, you can start with a city, you know, you can start with that as your your main play space and then build out from there, which is essentially what Mike was talking about earlier on maybe a slightly grander scale. 
But like what I was saying, and and this is again, I think why I never you never thought about doing a campaign because it seems like too much work for me, is that I don't I don't do small and then build out. I like big sweeping grand scale setting and then try to build in and I never really get to that point. <laughs> Yeah, I could. I can actually see that as an issue. Yeah, like I said, I've I've done it myself. Mm. That's why I I had to physically sit there and and write this stuff down. That's why I'm I not mean, a fantasy author, by the by, is because I could never focus on one thing. <laughs> well, that that is. I'm not gonna lie. I, I I tried, and I'm pretty sure I have. I don't know, 40 to 60 pages written of oh. just the start to a book. And it's it's based on a fantasy, but it it does kind of start at the end before the final big battle. And it's more the the whole thing is flashbacks. So it's like, okay. you know, book one is hey, oh hey, as as like they're coming up, you know, all these people are coming up over the ridge. It's like, oh, I remember the first time I met this dude. Let me run you down this. And he just. Yeah, let's talk about how flashback. we got here. Yeah. Yeah, the flashback of the first time he met this guy or the first time he met this guy. You know, hey, that, you know, I remember this dude. And, and I'll let me tell you how he got that monkey as a sidekick. It's hilarious. <laughs> you know? Implied. Yeah. I mean,. I'm not gonna lie. the The joke was, you know, he he's the only African American that they've ever met because they're in a region where they're mostly elves and humans. He's he's an African American dude. Not only that, he's a sorcerer, so nobody knew what the hell was going on. He could use magic. Magic isn't particularly liked in their region. Feel mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So not only do you look different, you're using shit people don't really like. So yeah. when people see him. You know, obviously they're going to be racist. You know, hey, you're what's what's this monkey? Yeah, you're you're you know, different. They're, they're going to yeah. be yeah, they're going to be racist about it. That's kind of the way I played it. Yeah, somebody ties a monkey to him, and just as as a gag, and he ends up running and just forgetting the damn things there. And because it's scared, it's clinging to him as he's running through everything. Eventually, this monkey learns to trust him, and it ends up his familiar. Yeah, now he's a sorcerer with a monkey familiar. Which, by the way, yeah. if you're going to have a familiar, you should probably have a familiar with opposable thumbs. <laughs> oh yeah, it's hilarious. Eventually, he, he like he forges a, like a little he forges a little knife. He gets some little body armor. It's hilarious. <laughs> Help him make monkey potions and shit. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's like he just gives him like these tiny little vials. Speaking of everyone's favorite monkey, how's it going, Aaron? Sorry, Aaron. <laughs> My DM adventures are so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> is he? Is he talking? Okay. I don't know what's going on. Yeah, he, okay. he's froze though. Okay. Okay, there we go. Movement. Oh, yeah, Movement yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's moving. Things are happening and stuff. Yeah, sorry. Like the 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 world I was telling telling you and John that I've created on this cardboard is literally the same world I used for this. I, I've I've seen fantasy. it. It's a big one. 
Like I chose a whole another continent to base all my little stories out of just so it wouldn't interfere with my D and D games. Mm-hmm. I guarantee you're not the first person to think you're going to turn your D and D game into a, a fantasy novel. I know oh, a no. lot of people probably no, no, have done no. that. It's been done no. before, yeah. I mean, yeah, I can guarantee it's been done before, but I know I couldn't. There's no way. Dragonlance. Right. Trying I mean, to. This... No, don't get me wrong. If I if I was to sit there and record it and write minutes and have it converted, yeah, it could probably work, but. The cockamamie shit that Tony was coming up with was yeah, just making my head hurt just trying to comply with it. I'm like, no. The short not- version of it is having to cut out a lot of player bullshit and a lot of uh, a lot of back chatter and things that aren't relevant to what's going on. Like, you would really have to have the broad strokes of the story to go from there. I know, you'd have I to Dragonlance was a um, was a party was a was a D and D game that they translated. Yep. Yeah, um, they did. I believe the Forgotten Realms. Might have been. Which wait? Which one are we talking? Because I know. I think the start of it was the Icewind Dale trilogy was a was a D and D session, and then he built the first, from that more. The first three were R.A. Selva. I think R.A. Salvatore said it was based on a adventure. It wasn't to to the letter of how the the adventure yeah. went. But by the end of it, well, so many people were interested in it that he had to go backwards and mm-hmm. he had to write the first it was, yeah, three it was the ice because then everybody Icewind wanted Dale. to focus on Drist. Yeah, Icewind yeah. Dale was, was the one that was based off of an actual campaign. Yeah. Um, obviously not stroke for stroke. But no. in that, no. they had a person that was, was role-playing as the, the drow. And it was a good drow. And there was a lot of interest in that. So then he built a bunch of backstory for Drist. Mm. which um not gonna I think, lie i think he just put out uh him and his son by the way are actually co-authoring for just now nice. so they're gonna continue pushing books out i think they just pushed another one out earlier this month or late last month i can't remember which but another so, one has come out for the Durin series let, let me let me ask a question then um is he guilty of metagaming No, because I'm I'm going to go with everything. (laughs) No, I'm going to go with no, because there's been times if he wanted if he wanted to meta game, you could see it in the storyline. Like the possibility is there and it just it just falters. You could tell that he's just playing it like they know nothing. He's really good at keeping the metagame shit straight. Yeah, now certain certain characters, um... like Aaron said, they, they have previous knowledge of things and it just Hey, I remember this is here. This is here. This is what we're gonna do. Mm. Yeah. Like, well, it's yeah, like, like the uh... Bruno um, died. Spoiler alerts for what? That's probably been like twenty years now. Um, yeah. When Bruno, when they thought that he died, right? I mean, <laughs> you know, other yeah. yeah. Which time? Oh, uh, this would have been Which that time? first time. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 Right in the right in the shadow right dragon. The, yeah, yeah. Down yeah. into yeah. the. Which, by the way. That was based on a character uh, that one of his friends was playing. He would always strap a cask of oil on his back, and he'd light it on fire. Hey, if he you admitted go that out, was based on one of his friends' characters. Uh, but yeah, your own personal fireworks. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, hey, he had uh, what was it? Twinkle, right? He had Twinkle with him, and it ended no, up. No, it's the other one. It's the was other it? one. Oh yeah, it was Twinkle was just the yeah yeah. Twinkle Chilling was the, the moonlight one. Uh, I think it was. Yeah, icing death. Um, I, yes, yeah, yeah. Icing death. 
some of the best D&D products have been the results of game sessions. You know, you end up with a lot of great stuff as a result of games that talented people were, were privy to or part of. And that's where you get, you know, the Dragonlance novel series, the Forgotten Realms, the Icewind Dale stuff. Uh, and again, Critical Role in The Legend of Vox Machina. That, that is a D&D game that they've turned into a multimedia empire. Um, it happens more often than, you know, anyone would care to admit. But it's done in part to, to go back to the point of the conversation. The reason that these things are successful is because in the initial steps, in the play of the actual game, it's done well. And the best way yeah, to there. do that is to avoid metagaming, which is a thing that happens a little too often. Yep. And like I said, I, I'll admit it. I have to literally play dumb because I like I know a lot about a lot of the monsters. Well, in your case, you've read all the source books like cover to cover multiple times, so you you're privy to a lot of information that the average person doesn't have. So it's kind of like, in in your case, yeah, you kind of have to mentally retard yourself and say, "I don't know these things. I know them, but I don't know these things." I've well, I mean, that's that's also one of the reasons. Like I said, I like playing like some of the meathead characters because then I can just be a meathead. And it ends up more fun because I don't have to think. I just yeah. going and twing a things. <laughs> and hit it till it breaks. Granted, yep. I'm I'm granted I'm playing being a little more facetious than I need to be, but no, a lot of the time it's just, hey, can I just fucking kill this thing yet? Or no? No? All right, we'll <laughs> listen. But I'm telling you, we're gonna have to kill it. We could just kill it now. But you wanna talk to it, talk to it. We're gonna have to kill it anyway, whatever. Yeah, it's gonna be <laughs> yeah, just yeah, like my guy is just an asshole about it. Like, yeah, we're. Hey, meathead characters can be enduring. Or endearing. That's what I'm looking for. Meathead characters can be really endearing and really lovable and enjoyable. Some of the best characters in D&D are dumber than a brick, but they're just really likable. <laughs> What's that? What was it? Um, was it in, in, in Dragonlance. Uh, in Baldur's Gate, there's Minsk and Boo. There, that was the one I was thinking of. Yeah, yeah. M- Minsk and, and Boo the Space Hamster. <laughs> that had to be a player character in a D&D campaign somewhere. And I'm sure he is just tickled fucking pink. That that, that character is now so synonymous with Baldur's Gate and the Forgotten Realms. Like, you know you've made it as a player character when you're a Magic the Gathering card. And not one you made right. yourself. Like, <laughs> Right. Um, I was I was thinking of uh, the Dragonlance novels. Uh, uh Cameron Majer, Raceland's brother, who's you know Fair dumber enough. than a yeah. post, but a lovable dude that you know everybody likes, but he's just not that bright. <laughs> uh, well, I, but the thing is, is like, cause like if you read more, it's he actually kind of is smart. He's just not as, it's just not brother smart. <laughs> yeah. What was it? Um, from the Icewind, from, from the, the Drisso Duran stuff, not the Icewind Dale set. There's a, there's a set a little further in. There are dwarves that they call battle ragers. Oh yeah. Those guys, <laughs> they are not the brightest bunch. Cause I mean, they're just covered in 
full armor with spikes at every angle, making all the worst noises walking around. As long as I can punch it, grab it, and thrash against it, it's there. They don't care. They don't need, they don't they don't carry weapons. They're literally wearing spiked armor. Yeah, their their goal is just... to bear hug the enemy and then shake. <laughs> yes, essentially. That it is um I think can't remember his, his name. Pike, maybe? Pickle? No, Pickle was the 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 one Priest? of the two cook one of the two cook brothers from the um cleric quintet. He's the dwarf that decided he's gonna be a druid. Oh yeah and, yeah, he, yeah. and he turns out to be a pretty fucking powerful druid at that. Yeah. Like Drist may have seen and put a hand on the uh unicorn that was supposed to be the uh um personification of Maleki. Yeah. Or, yeah. Yeah, basically. And yet, you turn, and when they took Pickle over there, he's fucking riding it through this motherfucker. He's just on his back, having a blast. I'm like, oh my god, he's gonna kill it. No, it's just, he's that, or, he's or to, that pure. Or to step away from Dungeons and Dragons for a quick second, I just had a thought. Um, Radagast the Brown. Oh, Technically yeah, a go. wizard. Not necessarily the brightest wizard. Doesn't he make friends with squirrels and rides around on a sleigh pulled by dogs and shit like that, you know? Probably the closest to a druid a wizard actually gets. What's that one from? Um, I think Radagast is primarily mentioned in the Samarillion, but he had a small role in the Hobbit films. Yeah. Okay. I have to to mention the film specifically because I don't remember him in the book. Yeah, I don't remember him in the book. Not that I'm getting the book, because I I only want to read it. Yeah, I don't think I remember him being in the books because I did read those, but I didn't watch the 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 film series. So yeah, I read I read the book and I saw the film. Uh, I was unusually easy to please when it comes to films, and this wasn't really an exception. I did have a good time, but I'm just upset with the three movie thing. Upon closer review of the films, they did a lot of stuff kind of half-assed. Oh, yeah. It was because they had to fill up so much time uh, because they took a book that was smaller than one of the Rings books and filled it into three movies. Yeah, they could have stopped it too. It would have been fine. Um, plus, they I made the mistake of treating they made the mistake of treating the Hobbit like a prequel to Lord of the Rings, when that is not the case. No, the Lord of the Rings is a sequel to the Hobbit. Yeah. The Hobbit was written first. <laughs> yeah. It also is worth mentioning that the two of them are written for completely different audiences. Tolkien wrote The Hobbit for his children and then wrote The Lord of the Rings after The Hobbit was a success and he thought that there might be an audience for adult high fantasy. So The Lord of the Rings is inherently a more adult story. I think I broke Aaron. It's not here. 
Yeah, sorry. <clears throat> anyway. I don't know. It's so yeah, we've point. Yeah. I, I think we've deviated plenty from metagaming for for mm-hmm. uh for this episode. We've deviated the septum of this episode quite well. Nice. It's gonna snore for the rest of its life now. Great. Just lay it on its back, smother it with a pillow. We'll call this a day. <laughs> you know, you could take him to an ENT. Like an ENT will fix that. You can get a rhinoplasty. Take care oh, of that problem. No. <laughs> now we're talking about nose jobs. We've gone way off kilter. <laughs> oh man. I All guess right, what so, he's trying to say is uh, we, we've come to the end of our metaphorical road, so to speak. <laughs> yep, this is the end of this adventure. There you go. Unless, unless Aaron's got something he'd like to add. Nope, I think we covered it pretty well. Metagaming's not, oh. uh, not good. <laughs> yeah, metagaming's not good. Elements. But there are ways to handle it. You don't yeah. necessarily have to murder your players. Sorry. Although if you're a really vindictive DM, go ahead and murder your players. But um, again, sorry. <laughs> there, are, there are good and bad ways to handle metagaming. There are good and bad ways to metagame. Um, or actually, metagaming on the whole is treated as a bad thing. We'll put it that way. Uh, yeah, stray from the meta. Oh my God! Yes, please stray from the meta. Oh. Stray from the meta. <laughs> Whether it be meta gaming or just meta in general, John rail against the meta. There it <laughs> rail is. Rail against it. Damn it. Rail uh-huh. for the metaverse. For the oh, whole Facebook. No, rail, rail against that too. God damn it. Just just rail against Mark Zuckerberg in general. That fucking oh. android. Um. <laughs> and his seven thousand of the same fucking shirt. <laughs> oh my god, dude, that is weird. Um, yeah. So anyway, um, pack up your books, pack up your dice. You don't got to go home, but you can't stay here. I got to go to work in the morning. You know what? Just take the Doritos. Take them. You obviously want the bag. Just go. <laughs> are they Cool Ranch Doritos? Oh, you guys didn't <laughs> leave me any fucking pizza. God, y'all are assholes. We're doing this at Aaron's house next week. Yeah, great. Wait a minute. He can't drive. We have to do it at his house. (laughs) (laughs) All right, ladies and gentlemen. Bring the DM pizza and get plus one to all your rules. See you next week, guys.